This transition period is going to present so much opportunity for builders, marketers, anyone like it, anyone that's like taking advantage of it. And what I mean by that is just using the technology we have and packaging it up to where everyday people can use it. People are going to pay for that. And it's so, I don't want to say it's so easy, but it's the opportunity is so clear. Let me give you a clear example. What's up, guys? Welcome to the DJN Dads podcast. I'm Chris, joined by my co-host Kyle Wilson. Every single week, we talk about the latest in NFT crypto news and, of course, all things in technology, like all the arising AI technology tools and news out there. So without further ado, how's it going today, Kyle? Man, it's going great. Uh, happy to be here today and got a lot of rest on the weekend, maybe not so much rest as well. Last night, my daughter got scared from a storm and was like, you know, Obviously slept in me and my wife's bed and was kicking me in the back the whole time. It was a good times. So it was a good times. So we're we're still rolling though. Yeah, I had both of my girls wake up in the middle of the night and end up in our bed last night too. So they're a little bit smaller than yours, but I, I can I can relate a little bit to that. Not fun. Um, I have to ask. It was you know there was a big fight this weekend, always controversial with uh, Jake Paul and Nate Diaz. Uh, did you watch it? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, what'd you think? Um, it, it went exactly how I thought. You know, at first I thought that Nate Diaz was going to be a dog, which he was. Um, I thought he might do pull a TKO, but after seeing his weigh-ins and things like that, I because I had to go back and like look at. I looked at all the footage. I was like, I don't, I don't know if he's in fight shape like he usually is. So I kind of like backed off that and i was like i don't know this could go the distance and i could see jake winning and and that's kind of what what had happened so um i think if nate was in better fight shape i would definitely uh be more direct you know more on nate's side but it was a good fight like it was i mean nate almost got knocked out the first round got knocked down i think the fifth round um but got back up proved you know proved his dog status as per usual um you know had some good comp combinations in there uh, but overall, like he could have did probably much better, cleaned up his boxing skills. Um, he he kind of fought a little too, you know, like he usually does. He should have just stayed on the perimeter, you know, faded in and out. Um, but yeah, overall, like surprise for Jake Paul, he's getting a lot better. Um, he he laid in some bombs in there, and he's been improving his game quite a bit. So on the fighter side of things. Um, I started in boxing, you know, a long time ago and just, uh, casually trained just to stay in shape. Um, and I can say that like Jake's been improving pretty, pretty solidly these past few fights. Yeah, man. I really thought that he was going to knock him out the first round, but it just seems like Nate can't get knocked out. <laughs> you know, he's just like a zombie, man. Every time he just like takes a couple, it soaks in a couple of punches. He like, kind of like. You could tell he's like shook a little bit, but he just gets up and it's like he shakes it off within like a minute and then just goes he, back to normal. Him, well, the Diaz brothers are the two brothers that are notoriously known for if they get hurt, they get more dangerous. So like if you start punishing them, you, you give them a cut on the face, you bust their nose. You better watch out because you could get either knocked out or strangled because they get again, they're, they're like the only two fighters that I know that are like get more dangerous as they get more hurt. So it's like, you think they're, they're just finished. Then all of a sudden they, they come back. And I, that's what I was telling my wife. The first couple of rounds I was like, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be a knockout. Even after he was like days, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Like yeah. I've seen these Diaz bros, Bryce bros fight for, you know, my whole life watching him grow up. I was like, I don't know if he's going to go down like, and he didn't. So. 
Yeah, it was, it was a good fight. I'm glad I watched it. I actually didn't plan for it. I forgot that it was happening, and then I saw it on Twitter, and then one of the Discords I was in streamed it, so I was like, I'll just watch it in this Discord, and that's what I did. And I'm glad I watched it. I watched, like, most of his fights. Not the biggest Paul Brother fan in general. I actually watched uh, Problem Child, his documentary on Netflix, last night with my wife. It was really good. I mean, yeah, I watched was, a little bit of it. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty much what you would expect it to be. Uh, just kind of the come up of him and his brother Logan, and uh, how they really shook the boxing world. Uh, which I agree. You know, it, it talked a lot about like boxing kind of being a dying sport professionally, like as far as like how many people are actually paying to watch it and attending it, and basically getting a even though it's super controversial, getting a, like a famous YouTuber brought a lot of numbers, brought a lot of pay per view. Jake Paul has sold more than some of the Hall of Fame have, like on like as far as money goes, and you have to think about it from a business standpoint. So even if you're inside the industry, I mean, I again, I don't really care for either Paul brother. Logan has me blocked on Twitter still, um, but he brought a lot, he kind of revived the sport in a way, and I think he's doing good. And um, I, I find it really hard to like make myself root for him, uh, but I'm kind of in between because I do appreciate the the hustle of being this like content creator nobody you know stay in your lane you know you're making a mockery of the sport uh you know he's kind of getting better and better and he did lose his fight against you know the only professional boxer but he did good i don't know like if you like watch that one but with uh, tom fury like it was a good fight you know like it i feel like if it was i feel like if he truly lost he'd have got knocked out fast or he would just got whooped the whole time that's kind of what i would have expected but like he held his own in that fight and he objectively lost, but it wasn't like he got like absolutely wiped out, you know? No, yeah, it, exactly. Like his game was improving. You could tell like Tom Fury is like comes from professional boxing, basically. I don't know his like full history, but he's really good. I mean, he's he's a heavy set. Like he, you can tell the guy's built um, for it. And so, yeah, Jake. Another thing with Jake, too, is like he's giving inspiration to a lot of the young people out there that, you know, maybe they're on YouTube. Maybe they're just starting out like it gives them a you know, something to look forward to a goal, uh, if you will, that like it, it, it inspires kids to like become something, you know, if you really want to believe in something, you can actually go out there and achieve it. If you just put your mind to it and uh, put a hundred percent behind that and put your hand to it, you can actually go out there and accomplish it. And it's like, they're changing the game, man. You look at Mr. Beast, Jake Paul, Logan, and like love him or hate him. Uh, you know, if you don't like the guys, that's one thing, but, but no matter what, they're still like out there pushing the standards for what's possible on the internet for an online creator, somebody just making content where you can go with uh, your career. So um, credits to them for doing that. And, and on that side of things on the entrepreneurship game. Uh, real quick, I do want to go through the list of topics we're going to talk about, but I, I still want to ask you one more thing on the boxing end, but I just forgot to say at the very beginning in this episode, we don't have like one, like primary topic but there's a lot of really cool things that happened recently uh for instance i don't know if you guys are up to date with the huga or the board ap yacht club their rec league uh the ip they're going to be using in their game uh breaking news i mean or just in paypal released a stable coin we're gonna be talking about that doodles a big nft project we've talked about on the channel many times is collabing with crocs uh trader made 1.5 million dollars over the weekend i'm gonna talk about how he did that v friend shoes hurley getting into web3 gaming gary gensler going after ai and then lastly we're going to be talking about some ai models so those are some things you can expect for the rest of the stream going back real quick before we move on from the boxing topic uh would you ever influencer box if if given the i I think if the payday was there i I probably would honestly because again i've 
trained off and on just in, in in general like with boxing mma muay thai and stuff like that for just to stay in shape um i've i've fought in an exhibition boxing match and and won i think i was out i weighed by like 20 pounds um so i would i would happily probably do that if if the payday was good enough um but i gotta i gotta make sure like my you know i get to places like i grow my following in all that first you know <laughs> who would it who, who would it be uh i don't know i mean i don't know you you don't have somebody you would call out and be like man i would love to box to that person you know i've called out people in the past that's how i did the exhibition match and in, in boxing um and it was like a, a big crowd there it was there too so it was kind of a cool neat thing but um i don't know who i'd call out honestly i don't know if uh I, I really care about anybody in my direct community just yet, like sure. where I don't like them that much. But um, I, I would let the community maybe pick, and I would probably be game as long as it made sense. You know, there, it's not like if if it feels like some dude that was like, you know, two fifty, like just jacked out of their mind, that probably wouldn't make too much sense because I'm only like a buck fifty, and that would be like a hundred pound weight difference. So. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'd be game for that, but I'd be game for like somebody anywhere in between kind of my weight class, yeah, like the general class. area, like 150 to even up to maybe even like 190 per, per se. It just depends. It just have to make sense. Dude, is that a Twitter X shirt that you're wearing right now? Yeah, I have an announcement. I work for Elon Musk now for for Twitter. So oh, okay. yeah, so you, I mean, you, it literally looks it looks like their emblem, like from what I can see. Of, no, which, I'm like, kidding. It looks like the no, yeah, I knew. It. So yeah, that's why I wear this shirt for this podcast, actually, because I was like, I wonder if people are gonna ask or they're gonna think. But no, I got this shirt free at Consensus. It's a DYDX shirt, and it's like a decentralized exchange. Uh, but I it just oh, so okay, happens cool. to look like the Twitter X, so that's why I wore it. <laughs> All right. Well, if we're going to talk about exchanges, we might as well segue into the PayPal news. I don't. Uh, did you see? So, really, PayPal just tweeted about it like an hour before we're going live on this. But PayPal is dropping a stablecoin. Uh, it is going to be backed by not only the U.S. dollar, but it says highly liquid assets. Um, and essentially, it's just allowing people to swap into a stable uh, directly using PayPal for their Web3 wallet. Uh, what do you think about that news? Uh, yeah, it's so breaking. It, it's pretty. I, I haven't even like really had a chance to read into it. But it's pretty interesting. I mean, I I don't think it's necessarily needed, but I guess like they're going to do it. Um, but at least they're getting into crypto. And, you know, that might be a precursor. It says here in this article by Decrypt and the headline, you know, that they're going to launch dollar peg stablecoin on Ethereum. So it looks like it's going to be Ethereum based. So that's exciting for Ethereum. Yeah. You know, if you're an Ethereum holder, like all this stuff is network effect. And ultimately leads to Ethereum burn burning um, in that tokenomic. Um, so that's exciting for that. Uh, but do we need it? I don't know. There's so many stables out there, but at least they're furthering the crypto needle. So that's good. Yeah. And that's a great point about it being built on Ethereum, just kind of like a more like a bullish case for Ethereum. Because like if you have these like huge companies, you know, building on Ethereum, then more people are going to want to want to either invest or build on ethereum or more you can might could seem like more developers more innovation um so that's a cool, cool point that i didn't even think about and I, I i'm similar to you like it's not like this is like the biggest announcement we've seen in a long time but it's nice to still see big companies building on top of web3 i mean because last week we kind of had a mix you know gamestop kind of pulled out of the web3 space we talked about it on your channel last week if you guys haven't watched that episode go check it out we talked a lot about web3 gaming um, and I think we had uh, the Nifty, or not the Nifty, um, oh, the 
that platform, the marketplace. Rare. No, it was Nifty. No. Yeah, Nifty. It was Nifty. Yeah, Nifty it was went Nifty. down. Yeah, Nifty. yeah, they closed shop. Yeah, yeah. Nifty closed shop. So to still see people come out saying, "Look, we're still going to build on Web 3 um, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's exciting. And it says here that stablecoins going to be backed by cash equivalents in short-term treasuries per decrypt article but uh, that's kind of an interesting dynamic you know we, I won't get into that but um, cash equivalents and short-term treasuries that means it's going to kind of be low-key backed by the U.S. government so to speak in terms of like you know cash so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that rolls out again Congress is like still needs to regulate some of this they've had a lot of hearings this past year so I'm very interesting to see interested to see where this actually heads and if PayPal makes a splash and starts lobbying for stable coins because of this, then I think that's a benefit for crypto as a whole. Yeah, I, I don't really know the exact assets either. PayPal just said highly liquid assets. Yeah, short. Yeah, you know. So short term treasuries are pretty liquid, as as so to speak. Even Elon just weighed in on this because Buffett, Warren Buffett, is putting a lot of his cash into short term treasuries, and it it essentially is just like a a backed, you know. I don't know if what you would call it. it it's a treasury. It's a treasury note, um, and I think it gives you accruing. It gives you interest, but um, since it's short term, you know, once you once it matures, you get that you know that cash back at interest. And so I think that's kind of the basis of short term treasuries is that they're way more liquid than like bonds and long term treasury notes and things like that. Um, which take, you know, obviously a lot longer, like I think in some cases, like what, 10, 10 years or longer, uh, to mature. So anyways, that, that's kind of probably what it, it seems like a lot of people are doing that. So not surprised with PayPal here. Yeah. I mean, it is important for those watching the podcast to know like, where is my so-called stable coin back that? Because a lot of people have been screwed by like getting what they thought was a stable coin, which a stable coin is supposed to be like pegged to the dollar. Supposed to be stable. Like, the, you know. <laughs> It's supposed to be stable, yeah. If you put a hundred dollars into this stable next year, you still want it to represent a hundred dollars. Um, but uh, we've seen that fail a lot of times because these stable coins aren't really backed by anything. Uh, we saw that really happen with like Luna. Uh, I wasn't directly involved with that, but essentially they they would just it was backed by nothing but like a an algo. Dynamic. And I'll go, yeah. I even saw recently people get wrecked by um, the whole, like, uh, Pulse and Pulse X. Not not from the, like, fundamental problem of, like, Pulse or Pulse X, but it was a brand new fork of Ethereum. So there wasn't liquidity there yet. So even though there, like, were, like, stables on that new, like, platform or that new, uh, that new chain there it wasn't backed by anything yet so people were like trying to like trade arbitrage and realize that they're trading into nothing um so you just got to watch out for that you know when you're buying something you gotta you gotta think like you know what how secure is this like how does it represent a dollar and uh, a lot of times i don't like to like endorse any stable coin because like you never know but like i would say the most popular ones have been like uscc um, that's, um, because they actually have, like, they are backed, um, by, like, they have their own banks, um, and then, uh, Tether, USDDT, uh, is, is another popular one. Um, those are the two that I've used a lot in the past. I really use USDC a lot, um, which there was a USDC scare at one point, but it was, uh, people were, like, trying to attack it, and I think it went down, like, you know, maybe 10 cents, which is scary for a stable coin, but that was just because people were like trying to liquidate. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it'll be interesting how this shakes out the past, you know, 
uh, looking forward to the rest of the year and beyond and where the regulation goes. There have been a lot of stablecoin talks. I think this plays into the government's hands, though, uh, in terms of like positive, because, again, this is going to be it looks like maybe cash equivalent in short term treasuries, which a lot of people argue like, oh, like, why not the dollar? It's like, well, this this is the doll. This is kind of like an indirect dollar that benefits the U.S. government. And that's like, why would you not you know, have these kind of crypto based uh, stable coins because at the end of the day, it still benefits the the Fed and the monetary system. So I don't see this as a bad thing. I think that as long as regulation lets this happen, then it's a positive win for the U.S. government, and they should just ch- have a chill pill, bro. You know, is what what kind of the the sentiment should be. So, anyways, that's my thoughts on it. You know, I know Sherman is like the anti crypto guy. I don't know if you you did a a reaction to it and posted it before on Twitter, but or X, if you will, but. Um. Yeah, that guy's a clown. He has no idea what he's talking about, and I just wanted to put that on record. <laughs> oh man! So there was some really big stuff that happened that we missed, like barely last week. Um, Rec League is using Hugo's IP. Uh, it looks like a AAA game that they're creating, like using Hugo's IP, and they're using ApeCoin as the uh, like powered by ApeCoin, so they're actually using it in the system. Game looks awesome, man. Um. So if you guys haven't seen it, go check it out. It's Rec League. Um, Kyle, did you did you apply for the allow list? Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, I, I applied, and I, I'll probably be on that allow list. Um, I'll be playtesting that game actually today. Well, at least as this video is being recorded, so I'm pretty excited about cool. that. Oh, you're playing right now while we're talking. Yeah, yeah. I'm so like, I'm literally. Here. I got it down here. Uh, I have the Nvidia like eye contact AI, so it looks like I'm looking at the oh, camera yeah. the entire time. But I'm actually playing the game. No, I'm kidding. Okay. No, I'm playing it later. Um, you know, catch that later. Cool. Yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, go check that out on Kyle's channel later. Um, yeah, I got the allow list as well. Um, now, what you're playing today is like not quite like it yet, right? Like it's like like it's a game, but they're actually integrating uh, Hugo IP, right? But like right now, it's just like the regular game. Yeah, it's just the beta test, so it's going to be like the Web two version probably. Um, so there's not going to be probably any NFTs. Like that's typically how all these sure. play tests go. Is it's just a yeah. bare bones like web 2 version and you're just testing out the dynamics to get a feel for it so if you're like ah that 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 attack looks lame or that doesn't make sense that dynamic and you can kind of give them a little feedback and and the game loop itself and to see like what works what doesn't what breaks down um and any glitches in between but that that's usually just how beta tests go um is this developers trying to get a feel for the game how gamers react to it um and then they'll build upon that kind of like feedback and, and keep it moving so cool man uh, when you when you filled out the allow list, did you feel a little weird? I'm not. We, we don't have to say which information to ask for, but did you feel a little weird sending all that information over to him? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no diggity, no doubt, man. That's like you know, coming from this space, you know, you're a crypto native. Of course, you're like, dude, I don't know about this, but you know, being someone as like, I'm like double, triple doxed. I'm like, you know, yeah, it is what it is. I know who I am. They know, you know, it's like, yeah, uh, you know, if they want to come get me. I'm I'm here. Uh, I get you know. I don't yeah, the know. risk rewards there for people that are docs because like not a lot. I mean, I think a lot of people are going to be uh, buying people's information that are selling it in order to like play the game or whatever. But uh, at least it filters out a lot of people doing you no. Know, right. It, right. Again, there, there's going to be people that are buying multiple like uh, stacks of information, but ultimately it's not as easy just to bot you know 
50 different wallets to go to whitelist. Like if you want to do that, you're going to have to find 50 different people that in buy their information. Well, and, it, uh, you know, it, yeah, it's just like, it's not DeFi. It's just a game. So, um, I know people are like, they're super like decentralized minded. And I, I get that. Like, I feel it. I know it. Um, but at the same time we're playing a video game. So, um, it, it, it kind of is what it is. It's not like meant for DeFi. It's just meant for playing games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, but the allow list was that to? I guess I was a little confused. I, I, that is going to be. Was the is the beta included with that allow list, or um, is the beta kind of separate? Yeah, the beta is going to be probably separate because you know okay. we're not minting anything. We're just testing out the game. Um, but yeah, so that's. I mean, I did the allow list, the like you know reservation or whatever already. But yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I uh, I, I kind of get into some of these Animoca stuff. You know, I. Um, do some of these i'll have an upcoming like um gameplay for another game that's coming out the formula e game so that's kind of like another thing you know people should look out for if they want to if they're interested in formula one you like it um formula e is the next the next sport that's right around the corner so sweet now there's a i'm checking on something real quick um so Animoca is obviously like also a backer of or like part of the process of Rex League. Um, I think it was like one of the, their companies actually is like who's like putting it on. Uh, I forgot the exact name. Um, Animoca CEO was it? Um, he's actually yeah his CEO is actually throwing a Rec League tournament uh, to where he'll be putting things out of his own treasure, his own fund uh, for prizes. Are you going to try to compete in that? Yeah, yeah. So the Yatsu, the CEO of Animoca, I replied to him in my guild replied. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. Um, I've had their, I think it was the COO on my channel before I've interviewed him on the channel. Um, we'll try to sneak it in. I don't know. It might be like super elite, like kind of like founders or who's who of like Web3 Gaming. But we'll see. Like I'm not that, I'm still like a micro, you know, I'm still like working my way up in, in that in the space. But um, we'll try to get in it. We'll try to compete. We'll try to do it for the community. You know, our communities here uh, that watch us on our podcasts and our our channels, and try to represent. But uh, we're, we also, me and Chris are mochas, man. We're a lot of people don't know. Yeah, yeah. We get yeah. Uh, so they they had a big space today about like all that. Um, there's uh, like sub DAOs technically, or like these like DAOs around Mochaverse now um, that are doing big things, and it's indirectly like I see. Like a lot of the the people what that were in spaces were basey holders. So let that be known. Saw Machi speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let that be known that like a lot of the Mocha people are ape holders, and there's like an indirect, like huge Yuga type of like supporting that, like not DAO but community. Um, that's also tied up with Animoca. Like you know, so some of these things are going like hand in hand, and Rec League is proof of that. So I think people need to like. Like, hello, if you're looking to indirectly get into a lot of this ecosystem, you might want to look at this Mochaverse NFT and look at considering yeah. picking one up, not financial advice. Sure, yeah, man. Are you still holding both of yours? Uh, I still hold one. So, one, I, one. yeah, yeah. I, we, we, I think me and you sold and we took some nice gains with that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Dude, it's value. I got, I, got I got in good with that. I freaking I had a flooring battle because... Um, for those that don't know, originally, like we minted the Mocha, and I just wanted one. I didn't, I didn't really want to anyway. I mean, I did want to obviously, but like at the time, I was like, "Well, I'll flip one and hold one." And uh, I got mine 
minted before like 95 percent of the project so like at that point you kind of control the floor and i dude i like was trying to like we were having a flooring battle not me and kyle me and some other people uh that first like hour because basically after we got through like people couldn't mint so we're sitting here like trying to set the price so we're just like undercutting each other like crazy um until we finally sold it and it was i mean it wasn't that crazy uh, of the sale, but it was a, it was an interesting and fun experience. There was a lot of ad- adrenaline involved. Yeah, and and just to go back to the, the to that project, that collection, I I think it's I don't know what it's sitting at now. I don't know if you wanted to look at that, but um, you know, I think it was like what it's decent. Yeah, I'm like it's not a bad pickup, especially like you get a lot of these perks, you get a lot of like you know um, they do a lot of giveaways. So if you own one, you can enter in from like they did one with cyber Kongs, the Ginkai and like, I know I missed that one. I, I applied for it, but I didn't get the, I didn't get the spot. And um, so the, I don't know. There's just a lot of cool mints. There's they're, they're very highly connected. Um, again, like I've, I said this like years ago is like Animoca is like the, like they're legit. And uh, I know a lot of people like in the VV community, they, they always think of quid, but I'm like, get past the quid. All right, hurry and get past that like whole thing that happened like years ago. Just get involved in the Animoca ecosystem, man. You're going to you're going to enjoy it. Uh, there's lots of games and things like that. Um, and, and yeah, so that's kind of my thoughts. Dude, there's still half an ETH. That's like crazy good in this market. Yeah. I, I thought they were like as low as like point two or something like that yeah no they're like they're point five three man and and their whole mindset too is like the decentralized aspect of like as much as you can like obviously but um i love that their approach on web3 is to like give that digital ownership uh what nfts really allow uh users to do is to actually own it and kind of do whatever you want with it just like you could with a you know a comic or something you can own it i can take it to any room i can take it to any store and sell it um, that's kind of the idea that uh, Animoca has those principles at heart and they push all their subsidiary company or like games and things like that to do the same thing. Um, and they have like a metaverse standard as well, which aligns with Japan and South Korea and these like big, uh, you know, Asian countries. It aligns like with that vision uh, on a country scale, too. So I think the U.S. is, um, you know, not only behind on the government level, but I think in a mainstream society level, we're also behind the ball. Even the Web3 gamers in America, I think, um, just aren't really on par with, with the Asian countries in terms of the way that they think. So I think there's a lot of improvement that needed that needs to be had in the space. I agree. Uh, and I'm excited to be a milk holder and be a part of the experience. Uh, so we have three different shoe collabs. One of them I didn't put on the list. Um, we have the V Friends shoes, um, which I'll, I'll let you talk about in a second. We have Doodles teaming up with Crocs. Um, this is actually a controversial one. Uh, basically, like with this level of partnership, uh, last year during the bull run, this would have like two x the floor price. Like people would have been buying like crazy. Um, but with the market we're in right now, and uh, ultimately what I believe the reputation that Doodles has, it just didn't move the floor very much. And, you know, you can't get those type of partnerships really without VCs or without a lot of money. And uh, so it, the partnership's significant. You know, it's Crocs. I was joking around. I made a video about it. Like, I've already got – I've already, like, partnered <laughs> with Doodles on Crocs because I have a pair of Crocs. So I like that color. Um, but it is interesting to see that – not necessarily that people don't care, but it's kind of like 
the floor price doesn't really reflect anymore. But that's more than just the market conditions, in my opinion. I mean, like, I think that's like a, a big weight of it. But Doodles, I mean, we've talked about it on the show before. They've came out and said that they are not an NFT project anymore. Um, it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, after using their holders, to, like, get to where they're at. Um, people had problems with some of the, their holders or Genesis holders had problems with the way that they were doing things. And the founder, you know, said floor it or, or get out, um, you know, to people who have been involved with the community for a long time, they just kind of soiled their reputation, you know, for such a small space. Like, you know, people aren't going to forget, like maybe like when there's like another bull run and there's thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, more people coming in, uh, maybe, but like right now we're too small to like do like stupid stuff like that and like let it slide and you know me like i'm not a fan of like cancel culture like i don't think like you should if you scam people then yeah i don't think you deserve a platform i I don't think doodle scammed uh and i'm not necessarily like saying cancel them or like i'm not happy for their accomplishments uh i just don't really care for like it's not like i want to get involved with doodles after seeing something like that even though crocs are cool because like i see the way they treat their community and it's so you know like i don't want to be involved with that um so i don't know what do you think about that um yeah i just think there's a lot that like yeah like you said to think about in the macro sense of like what doodles was doing the whole time like that they're like founder or whoever said like you know then you know floor it then get the f out like i don't know there's just like comments that kind of add up that just like kind of are like i don't know and uh yeah like you said they're like oh we're not an nft project which which is like it's fine to like cast vision if you're a founder and being like hey we really want to appeal to mainstream users like it's okay to say that but like to say like yo like it's kind of like you're taking a dump on your like initial core community which i know another project that has done that before too um but yeah it's just like not a good look and and it's like that stuff adds up and i think this partnership Um, While I think it's really cool, I'm still excited for Doodles. I hope they can make a comeback and really learn from their lessons. So I'm not like, you know, I don't want to entirely just bash them. But uh, I love Crocs. Like I've owned uh, one of the OG pairs from like, you know, a long time ago. And I I low-key still think my wife threw them away. And I'm still low-key mad at that. But we don't talk (laughs) about that. Um, So I got like a knockoff pair currently. But that's with that said, like, yeah, this, this excitement, like, I think it's hampered a little bit for for those reasons as well, just like past stuff. But um, I think if they move forward and continue like some successes, I think they can really build upon that. Um, Crocs, you know, again, like this space is like we like to see, you know, gaming stuff we can do, utility. Like, what is this like? Uh, I don't think NFT people are always like, you know, give me the utility, give me the benefits. I think we're just like excited about like, hey, I don't necessarily need like free stuff, but it's cool if I can go ahead and like maybe claim a free pair of Crocs or get at least a discount or like, you know, just like what Adidas was doing with with uh, the Board of Yacht Club. Um, I think they're doing it the right way. You know, even swoosh, like it's like, we're not getting free stuff technically. Like we're, we're still having to pay for a lot of this stuff, but I got, I got my free shoes in actually that I kind of want to go grab. Yeah. Yeah. You should go. You should definitely, um, at some point. And, but yeah, like, it's not like we're looking for free handouts. We're just looking for cool, exciting things to be a part of. And I think that that's what like a lot of people fail to understand. They're like, oh, it's just collectibles, bro. You should get nothing in return. I'm like, yeah, but like at the same time, like we're not necessarily wanting free stuff. We just want to be a part of cool, exciting things that want us to feel a part of because that's what the NFT technology allows for. And a lot of big companies like MasterCard understand this and they're giving, doing music accelerators for their up and coming 
musicians and allowing for musicians to to really interact with their communities. And I think a lot of people like you know, they're, they're too extreme one way or the other. It's like, you either get like this, like utility only person. That's like, I just need free stuff all the time or I'm dumping. And then you get this other side. That's like, it's just a collectible. You don't get anything and you should be excited about nothing. And it's like, but there's then in the middle people are like, but like you can do both. Like, (laughs) it's like, why not both? I I actually had a, like a micro argument about this a couple of days ago. I say micro because it's like three messages Um, with my, my friend. I met him in real life in Miami. I love him to death. Ash Robin, uh, very respectable in the space, but he's very much on the side that like NFTs are like trading cards and like nothing more. And if you like try to expect anything more, like basically, I don't remember his words for it, but like, he's very against that. Um, like basically like not putting pressure on projects to do anything, which like I partially agree with. Um, but the way he worded his like original tweet, I did disagree with it because I saw that. Um, yeah. I saw the tweet and I, I was like on your side on that. I didn't want to say anything. Cause I'm like, ah, I, I, I just don't want it. Uh, yeah. I didn't want the heat. I didn't want the, I didn't want the smoke, but I knew you were going to talk about it today. I was like, he's going to talk about this one. Yeah. I actually forgot about it. That's such like a small I got something to say me, after but... you're you're done. But yeah, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I remembered the original like tweet because it was a little condescending towards people like that. And like you said, I think it was too far to the like no utility whatsoever. But like, I stand by my point that I made. I was like, and basically what you just said. Sure, NFTs could be like comparable with like Web two things that we've had in the past, like collection, like uh, collecting trading cards and stuff like that. But we have the technology to do more now, so why not use it? And I think to make the assumption that they're just trading cards is also just an assumption, and, and that, that's what I argued with him because he's like, well, if you if you expect any sort of utility, like you're ju- that's just the narrative, and you're just speculating. Well, if you don't expect utility and you just expect them to be trading cards, like that's all, that's the same thing. It's like, because it's a new technology, we don't really know what it is. Like, like, I mean, we know what it is like on a technical level, but like, we don't really know how the future is going to play out. So I think just expecting it to be another web two form of collecting is kind of narrow minded. And, but like you said, the other side of the coin, which I do, you know, agree with is like, if you're expecting them to give you a bunch of free stuff or you're putting a lot of money just speculating, then like. You deserve to get burned, but like, why not? You know, it, like, I believe a project should stick to their roadmap, and if they do not stick to the roadmap, they should be held accountable, and they should not. You should not expect anything outside of the roadmap. But if the roadmap was vague, non-existent, or even if the roadmap was was rigid, and it's just like you had this very opportunity to like reward a holder with some type of head nod, why not? Because it wasn't possible in the past, but it is now. Yeah, and like it goes back to, you know, in business, the the best businesses that rise to the top are the ones that bring the most value to the user. And what I mean by that is if you look at Amazon, they streamlined their processes and made every step of the way as easy as possible for the end user. And therefore, they are one of the most dominant players in not only, you know, e-com, but now the cloud, you know, the, the data and cloud industry, making it easy for developers on every level. So it goes to show you like the, the best projects in NFT space are going to be the ones that provide the most value in the best way possible and that provide the best experiences and um, that just deliver on it. It's about execution as well. Um, it's just like business. And I think that 
Um, a lot of NFT people just aren't very good at business and don't understand like, okay, these projects, like sure, they don't, they may not have to give out free handouts every step of the way, but what they do have to do is go ahead and provide massive value to their users if they want to continue to to make sales, revenue, build upon their successes, launch something else. Because trust me, if you have your community, you're bringing that heat, bringing the value, they're going to buy into the next thing that you do, the next project that you launch, the next product you launch. And, yeah. you know, look at this. This this is supposed to be just a trading card, Chris. It's supposed to be. But guess what? You get a physical and a digital. I can scan this in. Now that's that's value brought. Now this isn't like, you know, this is just limited to one IP and one brand. This is just using this as an example. But even they had brought in um, like leaderboards. They brought in, um, you know, perks and rewards for their actual existing user base. And they've airdropped like, you know, free stuff to their to their uh, people that are really gunning for the leaderboards. Um, so it's not like they're just like, oh, we're just going to, you know, be trading cards and that's it. And we're going to go home. No, they're they're actually building upon this NFT technology and making their experience better. Uh, for their actual yeah. holders. And we, I've seen this with every collectible platform out there, Chris. They all have these like, you know, collector programs and perks. So it's not like, oh, we're just collectibles. No, it's like they're building more upon this sticky experience than just like the the physical world does to where it's just like, we just sold it to you and that's it. That's the end of the transaction. No, they're out there actually using the technology to improve the user experience. Yeah, I agree. Like that last thing you said, like Web three allows it to not be the same way anymore. Where like there is no more like, all right, we sold it to you, so you know that's it. Like our our time is done. Like it can be, but like it also could not be. And I really think if this is like probably thinking too deep into it, but like I think if a lot of these companies were built on Web three technology a long time ago, we'd have seen a lot more of this. And we've kind of this might be a stretch, but we've kind of already seen it in like some ways in Web two, like. If you buy this game, you might get like a, maybe not a discount to another game, but like, I know Pokemon used to do it. Like, if you own this game in the past, you could get this certain Pokemon in the next game. You know, like, like that's obviously really small, but like, they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to say, oh, if you had Pokemon Red, well, in the next Pokemon game, you can get like that certain, you know, Charizard that was only available in this game, you can just transfer it over to that game, you know, or whatever. Probably a stretch, but, like, now that the technology's there, like, it's allowed. On on Hero's side, I remember I collected, like, the entire hybrid set, the Season 1, besides, like, the really, the, the rarest ones. Um, I don't even know if this came from the hybrid set or from the digital set, but I, like, just checked my account one day because I'm not, like, super active on it, but I, I really like it, and I'm always going to be involved in some capacity. Um, I don't know if you can hear that train in the background. Um, but, and one day I checked my account and I had like five or seven, like Wonder Woman packets, like, like boxes to open. I was like, what the heck? They airdropped me for owning a certain card. And I was like, well, that's really cool. And that made me feel good, you know? And even if it was valueless, which it wasn't like it, there was a little bit of value there. It was still a really, it made me happy as a holder. Yeah, it's like just wait for games to come out and see how they can actually amp this up. I mean, you know, like Alluvium, for instance, they're doing like what's called interoperability between their games, which I think they're like dubbing it like IBO or something like that. I don't know. Um, so the sky's the limit with Web3, like especially these Genesis NFTs that people are holding. Uh, the company can always go back years later and be like, we see you still own this like Genesis NFT. And guess what? We're rewarding our Genesis holders because they've been with us the whole time. 
and we always want to bring value to our to our OGs, our our core like people, and we we want to appreciate them. Um, before that was like yeah. so difficult to do, Chris, because like it's like these old Pokemon cards, like Charizard. There's all this like peer to peer selling on the back end that you don't really like nobody controls. And so it's like, well, how do you even like reward these old school like collectors that have been with you for years um, without, you know, like it's like it's really difficult. Like you have your email list, but it's like you still don't know who purchased that, who owns like these like OG like illustrator, po- you know, chart like these OG like crazy Pokemon cards. But with Web3, it's much easier. You can just go to the blockchain and be like, oh, OK, this this is the guy that owns it. Like or this is the person that owns this card. Um, now let's reward him. Or like, you know, or we're creating a game and we want to give access, early access to this holder uh, for holding this like really special, you know, item. So it's just much easier to do in Web3. Absolutely. Looking forward to um, just kind of seeing how all that plays out too, even with like bigger IPs. I mean, we saw Backhouse has done a pretty good job with that. Oh, 100%. Uh, there's been like, and McFarlane, even, the collab like, and all that. Yeah, as I was say, even the recent uh, collab with McFarlane having like their own set of like early or basically allow list, uh, really cool, man. So I think Batkels has done an awesome job at executing IP and utility. Um, I really do want to go get those shoes. So like the Puma shoes I've been talking about forever finally came in, uh, hey, the moon shoes, and uh, I want to show them. So in the meantime, moon boy um, shoes, moony moonies. And, in, in the meantime, they're just in the other room. I'm going to grab them. Can you talk about the uh, V friend shoes? Yeah, yeah. Let me uh, pull. Uh, actually, I won't pull it up, but it, it looks like these is a um, collab here with you know obviously V Friends and Gary v, or Gary V's shoes. What a lot of people are dubbing it, but it's just kind of like their old staple Reebok shoe. It looks like one of those like streetwear shoes, and it's got V Friends on it. So it's kind of cool. Um, you know, I think this is exciting and pushing the needle forward in, in the physical space. Um, you know, I don't think the shoe is going to be for everybody because, it, but it looks like the shoe it like embodies Gary V, which is hilarious. Like I've seen some comments that were like, you know, the shoe looks if Gary V was a shoe, it looks exactly like Gary V. Um, so I've seen some hilarious stuff like that. But um, anyways, it's a it's a collab. Like it's got the the green Reebok like little dashes through the shoe, and it's kind of tan um in in white so um i don't know and, and i think it's cool I'll, i i want to definitely buy a pair um it's called aspiring alpaca alpaca classic nylon is what they're calling it i guess but um i don't know when these roll out per se uh just says when drop beginning oh here here it goes i got some info on it August 17th is when the drop happens. It says these classic nylons will be accessible through an exclusive pre-sale dedicated to our V-Friend Series 1 and 2 and FD holders. So there's some alpha for you. And it will be available worldwide on August 24th. And the pre-sale is going to be at vfriends.com if you're interested in that. Um, Claim timelines are going to be, I guess, claim opens on August 3rd, which is days ago. Um, And the claim closes August 17th at 10 a.m. ET. Um, so that's it on that end. Chris, let's see your moon shoes. Ayo, so Kyle, this is what you call utility. I'm going to have to speak up a little bit because I'm moving the mic to show you guys. So last year I minted a Puma NFT and, uh, you know, they promised future utility. Part of that utility was they airdropped us an NFT that looked like a shoe. It looks like the shoe inside of this box. And uh, after about a year, which I wasn't rushing it because... This was essentially free. I mean, like, I bought the NFT. Um, you know, I spent money on that. 
But then I got airdropped the shoe, the NFT shoe, and then I got airdropped the PFP, and I'm still holding the Genesis, so I still have future utility. Um, this is the Inferno that I chose. Um, there was, I think, under there's probably under 2,000 of these shoes ever produced because it's strictly from the NFT. Looks amazing. Box looks amazing, but uh, let's let's take a look at them real quick uh, to see this. Uh, I don't really know if, I, if I'm gonna wear them yet or not. Um, you'll be able to see this, Kyle, better on, like, the actual, like, better camera. Let me see if I can kind of put this up here. Uh, I know, Kyle, you can't really see them great. I'll show them to you. No, I, I've seen them. I've seen you post them. <laughs> um, they they literally look yeah. like you're about to, like, you know, I don't know. They look like you should be on the moon. Uh, they look like they defy gravity or something. Do they smell so? I, I don't think I've ever. Well, I don't remember the last time I've, I've definitely bought new shoes before. But I bet if I was you, I would. Uh, I wouldn't even wear those. I would just keep them. Uh, I think I'm gonna do a. I think I'm gonna do a shoey in them. You know, like pour some some beer in it and just. just <laughs> <chug> it. <That's> <laughs> a, <laughs> those might be collectible one day. They're probably collectible now, but like, no, yeah, yeah, but like I, I mean, like that might be I, worth I a lot. That's yeah. always, I know. I just I, I'm one of those that likes to like play with my stuff you know like my collectibles and everything i i never really just like i mean every once in a while like i have a v friends box right here with like the trading cards um but yeah i, I don't know man i'm going back and forth uh you like you said they're probably going to be rare and this is like one of the first like shoes like or the first set of shoes that puma's ever done with uh like integrating nfts so yeah, I don't know. I'm deciding, but they're really cool either way, and I'm really excited that I finally got them. And this is the fanciest shoes that I've ever owned in my life. Um, I don't even know what they're cost right now. I mean, I don't even like. I guess it'd be like on eBay or something. Yeah, eBay probably or uh, StockX. Shoes. I wonder. I bet there's not even any StockX listings. I, I I doubt like anybody owns that shoe, like or that's selling that shoe. Yeah, no, I um I don't even see them on like online like, like I've, i found people talking about the nft version of it but i don't i don't really see like i'm looking at them right now but i don't see any for sale so if i'm the only one for sale i can set the price right i can sell this for like a hundred thousand dollars yeah yeah totally list it all right i might do that list it yeah, send so it anyways no. i'll uh, i'll find this price i'll let you guys know i mean everybody has a price so i would i would sell these shoes you know but anyways yeah i thought it was really cool i'm really excited about them um during the last sections of our podcast, we've been talking about either like really deep topics. Uh, AI technology is the biggest one, and we're going to be talking about that actually in this podcast in just a second. And really just a lot of other things, and we're kind of getting to that point. There's two big AI topics right now. Um, and by the way, here's some alpha if you've made it this far in the stream. Kyle and I are actually going to start a newsletter together. Uh, we're going to do some really cool stuff with it, uh, introduce um, the latest AI news and technology, uh, introduce the latest tools. Uh, your boy was on Opus Clips before that blew up, which like allows you to like cut cut entire podcasts like this into little clips, adds captions, does, uh, does cut, face tracking, all that. We're going to stay up to date on that and send it to you via email. Um, but there's a little plug right there. But moving on to the topics, uh, the big one that ha that's also relevant to everything we talk about in crypto is uh, Gary Gensler actually decided to shift his focus from uh, from crypto to AI. You know, he's now he's an influencer. Um, but yeah, he was saying that this is more of a disruptive technology that crypto can wait and they'll come back for it later. But as of right now, he's going to focus on regulating AI because hey -oh. it, it can it can pose risk um, to 
to it's this is really silly he said that 80 percent of people that uh traded crypto have had problems uh using ai uh or chat gpt specifically because of i'm sorry one second kyle you, you can say you give me your plug real quick uh my kids came in the room abruptly yeah um i don't know know if i have a plug after that but um i don't know chris you know more about the that side of gary v or gary v <laughs> gary <laughs> Gary Gensler. Uh, sorry, I'm distracted too. But uh, yeah, with that being said, yeah, it's not surprising to me. I mean, it's like kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like, duh. Uh, wait, should we just like pause it? <laughs> no, okay, so just send it. All right, cool. No, to me, it's just like no brainer to focus on the AI. It's, 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 it is disruptive, I, you know, and it has a lot of social impact and a societal impact. And so to me, it's not surprising. I think it was like, duh, because but like at the same time, blockchain is like the only technology that allows us to own, you know, digital items and have ownership and world coin is really showing us to a degree because it had more publicity than not than other projects out there, even if you don't like it. Um, it's proving that like we could have problems just proving that we're human in the future. And you may actually have to prove that you're a human on certain services and really on social media to differentiate yourself and to prove you're just human. That's crazy. And to think that that the only technology that can actually benefit humanity in that sense is going to be blockchain to, to prevent the uh you know ai from from duping humans and duping literally everything though that's not limited to humans people out there that are listening it, you know you're talking about everything that's digital can be duped in a matter of like literally split seconds in a fraction of time and everything's going to be knocked off completely with ai and that's why blockchain is so important and i'm surprised it take it took the government this long to realize the impact that in a positive yeah a positive impact that blockchain will have, but a negative impact that AI could have in that regard where you get it in the wrong, AI gets in the wrong hands and starts knocking off everything you do at scale. I think, uh, I think the government might be actually realizing this. Um, and that's what I think a lot of people really in the web three space. I don't think realize that either, you know, especially web web three newbies that are like, why do you, why, why do you need a layer one NFT? Why do you need ordinals? Why do you need this? Why do you need that? It's like, well, look at AI. Like this was always going to happen, um, whether it was AI or quantum compute um, in the hands of a bad you know, actor. This was always the case back in like 2017, 2016 and before. And so I think people are st starting to finally understand this um, and we'll, we'll, it will continue. I, I think it'll take a while for people to get educated on this, Chris. And, you know, we might see it play out over the next year or two. Yeah, go, going back to the um, Gary Gensler before I comment on what you just said, um, he was claiming that 80% of crypto traders use ChatGPT to help a trade and, and basically got wrecked, which is kind of funny. Like, that's stupid. Why would you rely on that? ChatGPT takes place in, like, 2021. Um, and number two, he was saying what a lot of things you just said, uh, the fear of AI replacing humans. And uh, I talk about this a lot, and I feel like more, like, normal people that aren't, like, engulfed in technology or kind of understanding how at risk everybody is uh I, everybody because like you might think like you can't be replaced but here's the thing ai will be able to come up with better solutions that could take your job i have a friend a close friend who does brain scans 
And he's like, well, my job can't be replaced because I have to hook up the patients to this, the thing that scans their brain. And, um, and then, of course, like the doctor interprets it. While it might be a while, like on paper, you might think, yeah, how is AI going to replace that? In my head, they're just going to think of better solutions, like a self-serving. Now, granted, these patients might need, you know, a little bit of assistance because, like, if they're under brain injury or brain dead, like, they might need assistance at, to some degree. But, like, what what stops AI from developing a technology to where they walk in a room and don't have to have all this fancy equipment on them? They just get a scan and they walk out, you know, like, and now, boom, his job's replaced. Maybe there's somebody that can walk them into the room or maybe not. Maybe they'll find a way to navigate them to the room without needing a person. And like, so like you might think you're safe, but like you might not be like, even like farmers, like, I mean, farmers are like probably like safer, but like there's even, this isn't even AI required. There's, um, maybe this is the best farmer example. I just found out a couple of weeks ago that there are um, like massive, like basically lawnmowers. They're called something else. And they're not tractors or something else. Harvesters. Um, that are, that are off of satellites and they don't need people anymore. Basically, they just follow the satellite and do the things that they need to do, cover acres and acres without needing a human to do it. You know, and it's like, oh, well, well, there goes that. So, you know, it, just because like you don't, your job isn't like primarily like problem solving or online or interpreting results. Like obviously the brain scan thing, like AI will be able to do that too. That doesn't mean you're not at risk. Um, and I know it's a long, long run on thing, but I, I just posted a video. I was actually really proud of it. Uh, like at the end of last week, there's an AI model and she looks really real. Um, now granted it's more of like an AI overlay right now, but it's not going to be very long to where there's not even an overlay needed. So what I mean by that is like, Basically, there's a human behind, like, doing all the moves and, like, talking and stuff. But, like, it's a deep fake. Um, so it looks like somebody else. But that's not going to be needed in, like, the near future. In the near future, it's just going to be all out. You're, it's going to be hard to tell the difference. And so that could replace, you know, that that could potentially replace things like me and you. Uh, being able to, like, interpret news as fast as it comes out and deliver it in a digestible way and maybe even in an entertaining way. Um, so there's just a lot of lot of things to think about around that, and I do think there needs to be safeguards or verification. That's a really cool cool concept. You know, this is this is you know I'm, you know we're relatively small compared to like the Mr. Beast of the world, but like compared to a lot of people. But like at the end of the day, like if we could be like verified us just to protect us, you know, um, instead of all these other accounts, um, you know, somebody could go and make an account tomorrow. The technology is not quite there, like. The personal stories of Mr. Beast, and it will look like him, it will sound like him, it will have life experience, and then they could just put, put out a ton of content. There needs to be something in place to like protect him from saying like, "Hey, that's not me," and like that's verified, not me. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a lot. Like literally, like you said, it's going to touch every part of society, both um, not in good ways and then also good good ways. You know, it, for people that are like authentic and like humans that want to scale their businesses, it'll help them scale. Uh, for those that like utilize AI in, in an intelligent way, um, there's even been people that are like, oh, prompt engineers and like all these things, building softwares around chat GPT or open AI and the various other like AI models and things like that. Like there's Llama, Bard and a bunch of other, you know, AI models now. But, um, you know, th there'll be a lot of opportunity to be had in the in the, you know, it's happening now. We're seeing it. That's why we're kind of like 
you know, looking at creating this email list that um, what we might have in the link in the description below, which uh, you also can like and subscribe this to this video if you really like this content we're talking about, because we'll deliver it straight to your inbox eventually, I think. So anyways, um, with that being said, um, yeah, that's a lot to think about. And again, I think we're approaching a more of a ready player one society where um, things, everything's going to be digital. Obviously, it's obviously already already is but i mean where the ownership level changes in terms of where you can actually own everything that's digital um and everything's just going to be easier to access in a digital environment anyways like we've seen you know the internet web 2 and then we're seeing an iterative model of web 3 which a lot of people are get confused with these terminologies web 2 is just the iteration of web 1 internet and where web 1 was just the basic you know very very basic internet Web 2 was social and email and all these other, you know, e-com, the different interactions you could do on a different level of the Internet. And now we're seeing an even another iteration of it. And I think people like I don't know why they have a disconnect where it's like, well, Web 2 versus Web 3. It's not Web 2 versus Web 3. It's the Internet iterating upon itself to another version. And you're missing the you're missing the the tree, you know, the forest for the trees. Yeah, man, it's. It's wild. Yeah. The um, one AI thing I want to cover, because, uh, like, my local brewery is doing it. It's really cool. Um, you know, what can't wh- – where is the limits of where AI can't replace people? And you would think, like, professional sports wouldn't even be there. But at my local brewery, um, my friend was there the other day, and he noticed that they were watching a baseball game. And a lot of people at the brewery were betting on the game, you know, on, like, who they thought would win. And he noticed that the guy batting – was the owner of the brewery he's like hey man i didn't know you're on a baseball team you know and they were going up against like one of our local professional teams and uh come to find out it's ai generated it's not you know it's it's his likeness that was that was batting on top of that the entire season is ai generated so they have an entire baseball season every single week leading leading up to the big game or whatever it's i don't follow baseball stuff um and they bet on it, and they don't know the results because everything's generated, and their entire staff is a team, and then they let regulars be on a team, and then they bet on it and have fun. You know, and like you might think, well, that's kind of silly or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, the thing is, like, I see people who aren't like super involved with professional sports. Like, that's kind of a cool thing. Like, instead of like watching people that you don't really know about, like if you were like really in the know about sports and you're like, Man, I know the profiles on this player, or this player, I can't wait to see them. But if you're not, you're like well, man, it'd be cool to see me and my friends in that in that sport, you know, and then, like, have that. I could see them, like, getting a lot into that, even taking away, like, some of the revenue share of professional sports. I just thought that was a really cool thing that I've, like, it's basically like a simulation, like, uh, you know, simulating, like, game after game, but, like, using your AI likeness in that simulation, uh, I thought it was a really cool concept. Yeah, in, like... It's going to be crazy, too. It's just like, what what does it look like when a lot of jobs are being replaced? And it's like that there's going to be this weird transitional period, I think, too, um, where I think there's always going to be like entrepreneurs and business owners, like local stuff, because you, you still need a business owner to own a bar or like a, a brewery. Like, who's going to make the beer? Like, sure, like you can have robots maybe one day, but like who's going to actually own it, distribute it? There's a lot to think through. And yeah, you can automate some some stuff to a degree, but like there's still like we're still a ways off from robotic automation as well. That could that's not going to like accidentally like, you know, run into the building because it's like still figuring out like, G, you know, GPS 
like location and maybe tesla does this helps other companies do this because they actually do have an ai called is a supercomputer called dojo um and they're rolling that out uh, as we speak and so it, it just kind of just launched it's one of the most powerful uh supercompute you know units in the world um surprisingly so maybe they scale that up as a service maybe uh, perhaps uh, perhaps they just use it internally but we'll see um, so there's just a lot to think through in terms of AI. And once like all these mo- like all these things are improved upon and like implemented, then I think at that, at that point, like how long will this transition period last? I think that's mm-hmm. the question we have to be asking because, you know, at some point we might, we may have to have some kind of UBI, but at the same time, if there is UBI, hopefully it's not centralized enough to where somebody could have too much say over a UBI, which for those of you viewers is universal basic income, um, which Originally, I was against, but, uh, you know, if we do get to a point where everything's just automated and ran by AI, it's like, and nobody's working, then what do you do? You play like you do the things that you love, right? Um, But there's just so much to think about. And I think the government is just kind of so slow to react to a lot of these things. They're thinking in the now or like in the past, like, you know, crypto has been out for years and they're just now getting to regulating this stuff. I'm like, yeah. AI is here now, and it's like, how how slow can we be? And so those are the things I worry about um, on on a like the government level and where they're going with this. But um, more on that in the newsletter, I guess. Yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> uh, also, more in the newsletter. Um, even though I'm working on this myself, uh, this transition period is going to present so much opportunity for builders, marketers anyone like anyone that's like taking advantage of it and what i mean by that is just using the technology we have and packaging it up to where everyday people can use it people are going to pay for that and it's so i don't say it's so easy but it's the opportunity is so clear let me give you a clear example i watched an hour-long podcast yesterday of somebody who's already successfully done this here's what they did they took chat api and they wrote out pre-prompts to where you go to their site that looks really nice. This is the hardest part as somebody who's already tried to build something or like who is like thinking about building something um, is because I would have to hire developers. And um, I, you know, like the upfront cost of a developer is a lot um, depending on what you're building. But besides packaging it in a pretty way, the concept is really easy. You take the API that ChatGPT has already provided and you make it a digestible way. So what this guy is doing is He's prompting it to write out articles on um, like events that happen to send them to different like companies like press, like Forbes and like um, the Daily Times or blah, blah, blah. Um, And he's also running it through a detector that detects whether it is AI written or not. And it's supposed to curate it in a way to where all these articles are pumped, pumped out professionally prompted um, and not detectable by AI detecting software. So essentially me and you, what we could do is we could um, say, we could talk about this podcast. You know, what was the main thing of this podcast? Um, We could plug the CTA, the call to action, and maybe like a couple more things you hit enter and it writes you an entire article, a well-written article. Then you go and you plug in your links, your affiliates and all that. Pretty, pretty smart, you know, I would say, like this software, but also like pretty easy besides the fact that he had to get a developer to make the website and to, uh, or whatever. And he's already generating a ton of revenue off of this. Literally didn't really make anything. He just used API software. He found a way to plug it through uh, somewhere that detects whether it's AI written or not. 
and now he's marketing it. And then boom, there's your product. You can do that with anything. I have like an, I've only shared it with Kyle and a couple people in person. I have an idea that I would think is even more beneficial um, that I think would do some numbers. Um, but again, the app developing side of it and uh, some of the technical stuff. But uh, yeah, there's your there's your arbitrage uh, opportunity during this transition. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. And I, I use tools like that as well. And uh, what I'm keen on too is like that. I've been messing around with one that's like you prompt, you prompt, you do a single prompt, and you click generate video, and it spits out like a, a short, like YouTube short or TikTok video, like a short one, and it like overlays the captions for you, and it does a mid journey like whole, um, and it animates everything for you as well, and it all does it in like that like vertical like mode, um, yeah. and so all you have to do is just say like talk about. You know, if you have a bird channel on YouTube, you just say, talk about birds um, and how beautiful they are. And it'll make this whole like 60 second video about birds and how beautiful they are with like, like very cool mid journey art at a high level too. It's not like this like stupid art. It's like really cool. And it, does, it you can actually put music to the background as well. And it's all just done by a single prompt. Like you don't have to do much thinking. And then you can upload that to your, your channel and you're generating views and therefore you're generating either income. And if you have affiliate programs you're promoting, you can do that too. So um, it's pretty crazy like what people are doing. And he's just pulling in um, API access to MidJourney and an open AI using ChatGPT or 11 labs for the voice even. The voice mm-hmm. over is done through 11 labs. So he just pulls in all this AI and like you said, um, he just hired a developer too. So he doesn't actually do this himself. He just like had the idea and he's just selling his software as a service. That's pretty insane. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Heck yeah. So there's your opportunity. Um, go build something, do cool stuff. Or if you want to, if you're a developer watching this, get connected with me and Kyle because we're also interested in building some cool stuff. And tune in next week uh, to Kyle's channel for the podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Be sure as well to check out that. This will be the first time we've ever talked about our newsletter uh, publicly, and we're going to drop the link down below. Hit that subscribe button. If you've made it this far in the video, if you like the video. check that out. Subscribe to the video. Subscribe like to the button. YouTube channel. Like the video. Do all the YouTube things, and we'll see you guys next week. I'll see you later. Peace out, everybody. Bye.